The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We're bringing you another mailbag edition of the Chris and Joe Show, and this is the final one before the NFL Draft. This was the last opportunity to send in any questions that you might have about the draft before the pick is in on Thursday at fourth overall for the Giants. We've got five great questions that Chris and I are going to be answering on today's show and addressing them. Let's get rolling right on with this very first question. This one is from Shane Momier. His question is, I think wide receiver needs to be addressed. Most mocks I've seen are not drafting one, Although I do see Claypool in a few, on a few in various rounds. What other wide receivers are they considering and for what rounds? So since we don't really have an inside scoop and because so few people actually have a, a true one of understanding and knowing what, what players, teams are looking at and considering, we're going to speculate options for them outside of the first round because... Very likely the Giants are probably not, and I probably am jinxing it by saying this, probably not going to draft a receiver fourth overall. But once you get to that second round and further because of how deep this class is, they'll probably take someone within the the second to the seventh round at some point. So, Chris, are, are there any guys that really stick out to you that you think are going to be available on day two and day three that would be really, really good options that might not be first-round talents? Yeah, Uh Considering this draft class, there's a ton of guys, but I'm just going to kind of stick to the wide receivers who I think fit what the Giants are kind of missing in their wide receiving core and also the receivers that Dave Gettleman has kind of gravitated towards in the past. So I think probably the highest rated ones are either Denzel Mims out of Baylor or T. Higgins out of Clemson. Yeah, both guys have massive catch radiuses. Uh, Higgins is 6'4", Mims is 6'3". Mims is just a freak athlete who can run past pretty much anyone and jump out of the gym. Routtree needs a little bit of work, but he has all the raw tools that you could ask for. Higgins is just a really... He isn't a flashy wide receiver, but he is just a really smooth good wide receiver. He kind of reminds me of Nuke Hopkins when he was coming out of Clemson. Then, you know, dropping back into like the third round, 
you know, Chase Claypool, obviously, I think everybody has their eye on him just because of his athletic potential, the show he put on in Indianapolis. But also Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC, he's got really good size. He tested better than I think a lot of people were expecting. And he is another just really good, smooth wide receiver and also really, really physical. There aren't too many wide receivers you would trust, really trust to block on the perimeter, but Pittman is absolutely one of them. He gets after his blocks like he is an offensive tackle out there. So I would say, especially if the Giants want to run the ball, one of those guys would probably be in that day two conversation somewhere. Pittman and Claypool, certainly amazing options in those later rounds. And it really benefits from the fact that this this class is so deep. So you get that opportunity to get a player like that that could step in and start. Uh, you know, other players that are maybe not as big of names, I think Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty is a smaller school guy that has potential because he's playing at a smaller school. He does have a little bit of a knock on him playing at a, a very tiny FBS program. Uh, another name that is constantly brought up, and I'm not going to go too deep on him because I played with him and I, I don't like to be biased in evaluating, but from everything that I've continually seen on Twitter and from verified draft analysts, particularly Gil Brandt, have said that Isaiah Coulter from Rhode Island, who, again, who I played with, is a very good option on day three. He, he has a ton of potential. He even said that he could be this year's DK Metcalf, a guy that is drafted on day three and then turns out to be a, you know, a really, really good player. And maybe he doesn't reach that potential, but he has a lot of really good traits that make him an intriguing receiver option. The other name that, that seems to be picking up a lot of steam, and I just want to kind of throw him out here and see what your thoughts are, Chris, is, is Lynn Bowden Jr. from Kentucky. And if you're wondering who that is or maybe why that sounds familiar, he was essentially an offensive weapon for Kentucky and projects a little bit more as a slot receiver, very athletic, does a lot of things. He played Wildcat quarterback at times for Kentucky. Did so many different things, and you can shift him around. Just a fun piece that can be used by a creative offensive coordinator. And you could bring him in and, and, and move him around, have some fun with him. But very likely, he'll slide further behind some of these more consistent, more established receivers just because of how deep the class is and how many of those guys there are ahead of Bowden. Yeah, Bowden, also Joe Reed out of Virginia is another guy kind of like that. You know, good size, maybe not great size, really, really versatile. You know, they played all over the offensive fronts, played a little bit of everything, just like you, you said it perfectly, an offensive weapon. Yeah, I'm not sure that those guys are great, great options for the Giants just because I'm not sure how well Jason Garrett would use a player like that. You know, if the Giants had Andy Reid or Sean Payton crafting and calling their offense, I would be all for it because you know those guys are always looking for players with unique and just say unconventional <laughs> skill sets that they can that they can use to stress a defense in an unconventional way. Now if Garrett is willing to do that, sure. I, I, somewhere on day 3 the Giants have a ton of picks. You know, grab one of those guys, grab Bowden, grab grab Reed, use them as like I don't know, maybe a an older style slot back like the run and shoot originally used way back in the 90s. Wow, way back. 
I just made myself feel old. <laughs> I'm too young to feel old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it seems like though this draft class is just a ton of guys that are tweeners and play multiple positions. So it's a really good year for what Joe Judge was talking about in his media availability, finding guys that are versatile, high upside that you can use in a ton of different ways, work to their strengths, all of that great stuff. Our next question from Ryan Mag. 22 who are some late round offensive tackle slash offensive linemen that could develop into starters if drafted by the giants the two that immediately always come to mind and we've brought up before are ben barch from st john's in minnesota division two program or division three danny pinter from ball state both of them have athletic skill sets backgrounds as tight ends and not minimal, but not as much experience along the offensive line. But because they had made this transition from an athletic position, you can see all of those really, really strong traits translating over and helping establish a really good athletic base for a strong developmental prospect. Yeah, if you're going to have a guy like that, you want to have the the raw the raw tools to work with. Where you know they might not have the technique yet but you can at least mold them and they've got the athletic foundation to be able to be a starter in the NFL. As much as we talk about wanting to draft football players and not athletes, they're still professional athletes. You have to have a certain level of raw athleticism to be an offensive tackle in the NFL because you're going to be going up against Von Miller and J.J. Watt and Demarcus Lawrence and yeah, so on and so forth. Maybe moving more towards the interior offensive line, two guys that kind of kind of catch my eye are Shane Lameau out of Oregon. In fact, pretty much anyone on that Oregon offensive line could be considered to answer this question. None of them are flashy. None of them are getting a lot of buzz. But they're all just really good linemen. And Oregon had one of the best offensive lines in college football last year. Just a really good, solid unit. Uh, Lemo, he is just a country strong dude. He's going to be a guard at the NFL and he will move people. Also, Logan Stenberg, he, I believe he was a tackle for Kentucky, but he's probably going to be moving inside to guard. And, you know, while his feet might not be good enough for a tackle, he could be a really athletic guard. And I think that is the kind of con- conversion we should be looking for in one of these kind of late round flyers, maybe a guy to develop to eventually take over for Kevin Zeitler. Sternberger, I'm a big fan of him. Huge lower body, definitely projects inside. So there's some pretty decent options for uh, along the offensive line in, in those middle rounds. If hypothetically they do get somebody early, then they can go ahead and grab somebody that can project and play in the interior that maybe needs a season or two to fully develop and hit their peak. We've got three more questions for you, but before we get to them, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. 
Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Our next question from Jeff Boyd. What position is a must to draft a player in for this year's draft? I think that just going a little bit differently, not in the sense of what the Giants really, really need. I think that a must to draft this year is at least taking one receiver. And the reason why I say this is the thing that we continually have talked about is how deep this receiver class is, how good of quality players you can get at the receiver position in the 2020 class. That just means that the Giants need to take advantage of this very rare opportunity that does not happen often. And they need to at least take one of them. Take one of these talented guys that happens to fall and slip, and they won't be regretting it at all. Yeah, I, I was actually going to go in the same direction. Yeah, I, th- I think there are two <laughs> ways you could look at this question: is you know, what position do the giant position or positions do the Giants need to address? But also, where are they going to get the best value? You can never really anticipate what your needs are going to be. In the future, you know, we can look at the Giants and say, oh, they need an offensive tackle. They need an edge rusher. But we don't really know what is going to happen in September or November. There have been years where we look and say, oh, the Giants have a great receiving core. And then two or three injuries later, and they're lining tight ends up at receiver because they don't have anybody else. Back in 2011, we thought the Giants were going to have a phenomenal secondary. And, you know, a couple injuries later, you know, Terrell Thomas tears an ACL. Uh, Princeton Mukamara has his foot broken. And it's basically Corey Webster in a prayer. So you always want to be able to add the best talent you can. And this year, that is wide receiver. You almost can't avoid a wide receiver being the blip best player on your board, at least outside of the top 10. Next question that we have from at Sander 65 is every year, there is always a surprising player who gets drafted way earlier than projected. Which player do you think will be overdrafted in the first round? And I think a good example of this situation is Titus Howard last year with the Houston Texans. Now he had a decent rookie season and it wasn't that he was a major reach, but he was certainly overdrafted. Most people had him as a day two, even day three prospect, and he found himself in the first round coming from Alabama State of all schools. I think this year's guy is going to be Isaiah Wilson. There's a lot of hype around him finding his way into the first round, and with such an odd 
year for the NFL draft and less available sources to meet prospects. They're going to go with a guy from an established program that they can talk to their coaches more and know that he's being coached up. And I think Isaiah Wilson kind of fits that mold that he's decently athletic, looked pretty good athletically at the combine. And that honestly seems to be enough right now for him to find himself in the end of the first round. Very likely, though, if we're talking about pure talent, I think you and I could both agree that um, Isaiah Wilson is probably more of a second to third round prospect. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. And coming out of Georgia, you know he's been well coached. Georgia has been putting a lot of good offensive linemen into the NFL lately. It's a strong pedigree coming from that school. So you definitely see scouts, coaches, GMs wanting to play it safe and just looking at Georgia, that's a known commodity. We'll, we'll go there. And I'm going to stay at the offensive line just because basically every team needs offensive linemen all the time. The quality of offensive line play in the NFL has declined significantly over the years. So I'm going to say either Josh Jones from Houston or Austin Jackson from USC. Both of those guys have the athletic upside. They have the tools but they just do not have the polish yet. I, they do not look like first round players to me, guys who can step in and play at at least an acceptable starter level right away. To me, they're both at least a year away from that, which would probably put them in the second round, at least for me. But because offensive tackle is so important, there's such a scarcity at the NFL level and guys on the free agent market are so expensive. I could see either one of them or both of them getting overdrafted and teams reaching, you know, maybe in the, the latter third of the first round and picking one of those guys up. Last question that we have from J Man J, another question two weeks in a row. He's asking, give me your top five to eight sleeper draft selections, meaning guys who might go in the second round or later that people might look back and say, damn, why didn't we draft that guy? Well, for the sake of time, we're not going to do five to eight, but we will give you a couple guys, two each, that we really, really like and we think that could be serious sleepers. My two picks are Derek Tuska from North Dakota State. My second one is for, is Rondell Carter from James Madison. Tuska was an underrated performer at the Combine, athletically out-tested his projections, did not really think he had that crazy burst that he showed at the Combine and, and the speed that he had, the agility, all of that stuff. I did, was not expecting him to do that. And if you go back and look at the tape, you can see some of those things and the why he was such a dominant player for... North Dakota State and why he was one of the best players, if not the best player on a top defense at the FCS level. My second pick is Rondell Carter, not as much of a, no, a known name, and he was not invited to the combine and was a, a slight um, snub, if you will, from just, just barely missed out on being invited to the combine. And he was an All-American defensive end and an edge rusher at James Madison. And James Madison has continually produced extremely talented defensive players. And I, I think from going against Carter and also seeing what he's done on tape, he really projects and shows a lot of great things that I think will make him a, a, an underrated professional. Now, I don't know. I don't think he's got a super high ceiling, but I think that he could get drafted, like go undrafted and end up finding himself on a roster for a consistent basis. Yeah, I, I'm 
going to cheat slightly and say three guys because you naming small school edge rushers put me in mind uh, Alex Highsmith as Charlotte. He was super productive last year. He he put up numbers like crazy, and he followed that up with a really good combine performance. And I, I'm not sure if he is exactly a sleeper anymore, just because I think the combine kind of forced people to try and find his tape. I, I know we tried, and we could only come up with one game. But you know, you watch that game, you look at his production, and he can play. Yeah, I don't care that he did it at Charlotte. He can play. He can play at the NFL level. So I think his is a name that might not be on you know, super high on the radar nationally, but I think he is a guy who can outplay his draft slot. You know, if he winds up going in the maybe late third, early fourth round, which who knows, he could go earlier than that. He could maybe even find his way up into the second round. At this point, who knows? But even so, you, you look at his improvement over his time at Charlotte. And you look at the work he put in next to the big school guys at the Combine. He is a guy who could really surprise once he gets into the NFL and maybe have some people who weren't really aware of him at just saying, you know, where did he come from? Now going on to the two guys I originally was going to mention, I have to say my guy, Brian Edwards, wide receiver out of South Carolina. I honestly feel bad for him because he might wind up going undrafted just because of rotten luck over the last last two months or so. You know, he got injured right at the end of South Carolina season, had to miss their final game, had to miss the All-Star games, and then he got injured again days before the combine. You know, he's big-bodied, he he has good play strength, he can be physical, he can produce after the catch, he has a big catch radius. He's a pretty darn good route runner. Yeah. I really like just about everything about his game, but it's kind of an out of sight, out of mind situation with him, especially with this wide receiver class where everywhere you look, there's another guy who could be a starter. So even though he probably should be a top 100, top 75 player in this draft, he could find himself going in the third on the third day and getting in camp and all of a sudden reminding people hey I can play I was only a step behind Debo Samuel in that same offense and then on the other side of the ball I've got I've got Bryce Hall out of Virginia yeah he is I think a little bit of a poor man's Trevin Diggs and not even that poor he isn't he isn't a great athlete by NFL cornerback standards, but he's got great size. He's really, really smart. He's played in pretty much every coverage scheme in Virginia. And he is also really highly regarded around campus and around that program. He's got work ethic for days. And when you get a guy with a good football IQ, enough athleticism, and sky-high work ethic, to me, that's that's a guy you bet on. As you can tell, plenty of sleepers that we're pretty high on and we think could turn into some serious impact players in the NFL. That's going to be it from us, folks, here with this final edition of the Mailbag before the NFL draft. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you are listening to us and follow us on social media at Big Blue View. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Chris at Raptor MK 
I, I, next week we're going to be doing our final previews before the draft starts, offense and defense, and then to wrap things up on Thursday, actually not to wrap things up, to um, to get to the main event. <laughs> yes, to get to the main event. I don't even know. I'm so thrown off by how, how, how soon it is. that To, to wrap up our draft prep. <laughs> yeah, what, what, once things come on Thursday, we're going to be actually diving into and giving you shows the following morning, covering the pick, letting you know what is to come, best available players, all of that amazing stuff will be coming for you during draft week.